Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Emerson, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. As you all know, this month, we've been reading and implementing the strategies from the book, Getting Things Done by David Allen. In this episode, we want to share our book review and our honest thoughts of the strategies from this book. But first, let's hear a time-sucking hurdle from a top teacher. This top teacher says, my TSH is getting discouraged during my planning period. On days where I am feeling extra tired, overwhelmed, or distracted, which I'm just going to put in a little sidebar here. I feel like that's every day for most teachers, but (laughs) I tend to start off on the wrong foot during my planning period. Once I've gotten off track, I feel discouraged and waste time sighing dramatically instead of working. Yeah. Um, I have to tell you that this was me a lot of the times when it came to my planning period prior to the school that I'm currently at, because I feel like I don't really get very many planning periods. It varies day to day, guys. Um, But before my planning period was at the very end of the day. And as you all know, one, I don't function at the end of the day. Two, it's really, really hard to be focused when you know you're about to leave at the end of the day. So here is my recommendation. I recommend that you don't do the heavy lifting during your planning period time. If you find that you're kind of in that same boat as I was, where it's just not a great time for you to get things done, like you can't focus, you can't do much with it, stop putting the biggest pieces that you need to get done during that time. Like, is there a time when you can fit it in somewhere else? Like for instance, for me, I'm very much a morning person. And so I would get to school either 30 or 40 minutes early. That way I could get all my heavy work done early and then I didn't have to worry about it later on. And then that way you can make copies, you can do some of the organizing, the things that are a little bit more mindless that you don't really have to focus a ton on can be more during that planning period time. Um, But that's kind of my recommendation. Michelle, what do you think? I agree with that. I think it's nice to have some of those more what I would call monotonous tasks where you can, you know, have music playing or maybe you're watching a video on your phone while you're doing them and it makes it that much more kind of motivating to get started. Mm -hmm. And obviously Bridget and I preach having a plan for your planning period, right? So you already have a list of things you want to get accomplished and that really helps you just dive right in and get started because you know where to start. But I also feel like a lot of it is just kind of a mental shift. And this is something I did while I was teaching, but I even do now with those like kind of work blocks that I set for myself. I love telling myself, do what's hard now so it can be easy later. And in my head, I literally go hard now, easy later, hard now, easy later. And what that really means is like, what can I do now that my future self will thank me for? What can I get done so that I don't have to do it in the future? And so for me, I remember Thursdays, I never had planning. And Fridays, I was like so burnt out. I didn't want to do anything during my planning period. So I would try to really get a lot done Monday through Wednesday so that Thursday I didn't have planning anyway, but come Friday, I could just kind of chill out or maybe catch up with my coworkers during that time or do some of the fun things that I want to do versus the things I have to do. And that mental shift really helped me kind of 
start off on the right foot so that I don't get discouraged and spend my time sighing dramatically. I loved that. In the TSH. Yeah, that's the best. That is literally the best. But as you're so true, it's so true that our mindset in things plays such a huge role in everything that we do. Yeah, I think that little mental shift can really change the way that you approach it. And there's something from the book, which we're going to dive into in a second, that really resonated with me on that topic. So I will be sure to share that when we get there. Yeah. So the book is called Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity by David Allen. If you have not already read it, read it? Yes. (laughs) You definitely need to check it out, whether it's on your Kindle, getting the actual book or listening to it on Audible. That is what I did because I am more of an Audible person. I love audiobooks. Um, But I will tell you guys, I read this book. Man, how old is Blaine at this point? So 10 years ago, I read this book 10 years ago and it's a newer like addition to what it what it was when I first read it. Um, and so it's been a while since I've read the book and re-listening to it, it's very interesting kind of thinking through some of the things that he talks about um, and being like, oh yeah, that I still do. Check. Oh, I don't do that. So I'm very interested to kind of one, hear Michelle's perspective on the book because this has been something that I've really enjoyed. Like I, I've enjoyed getting things done um, by David Allen for so long that I'm excited to hear Michelle's thoughts. So what we're going to be doing um, is we're going to dive into the book. We're going to give you an overview. Um, if you have not already listened, Michelle and I both shared a Week in the Life episodes where we essentially read the book. So Michelle read the book and she takes you through a day by day of what she read and kind of gives you her thoughts a little bit on it and then also talks about some of the things that she's implemented. And then for mine, I listen to it ahead of time and I talk about more of how I start to take some of the strategies from the book and begin implementing them into my week in the life. So definitely go and check those out. Michelle's is episode 159 and my episode is 160. So we're going to kick off this episode by just giving a very brief overview of here's what the book is about. And then we will each share our biggest takeaways from the book, as well as what we're kind of changing or adapting moving forward. So starting with an overview of the book, Getting Things Done, it was originally published in 2001. And then as Bridget mentioned, it was updated in 2015. He updates the book to kind of incorporate more about like technology in the digital world of productivity. But I'll be honest, and Bridget, I don't know if you felt this way. You can definitely tell he just went in and added little bits about technology, but it still felt like an afterthought. It was like, you can use an app or you could do this. I'm like, oh, come on. (laughs) There are so many more things out there. Yes. But the book itself is broken into three parts. The first part is called The Art of Getting Things Done. It's essentially an overview of the five steps of mastering your workflow. And with that, the five phases of project planning. So those workflow steps are called capture, clarify, organize, reflect, engage. And we'll be jumping into this a little bit as we you know, share our takeaways. Yeah. The project planning phases are defining purpose and principles, outcome visioning, brainstorming, organizing, and identifying next actions. 
The second part of the book is called Practicing Stress-Free Productivity. And this is more detailed steps on how to actually implement the productivity model. And then the final part of the book is called The Power of the Key Principles. And these are really reminders for applying the model, which again is like the power of capturing and like why it's really important and Mm -hmm. how to choose those next action decisions and the outcome focusing. So he does give information on students or sorry, not students on studies that have taken place since the book was first published to kind of confirm the validity of the model. And Mm -hmm. then he does an overview of the stages of application. So like tackling the fundamentals and implementing the life management systems and all of that. I will say just overall, this is the type of book we suggest reading like all the way through and then referring back to as you start to kind of apply it in your life. And as Bridget mentioned, it's definitely a book you can come back to several years later and read and kind of have a new perspective on. So we're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, Bridget is going to be sharing her biggest takeaways from the book. It's 2023, and one of our favorite ways to kick off a new year is looking into the future. Now, thankfully, you don't need a crystal ball to do that. Yeah, because we can't help you with that. But we do have digital planners that are perfect for planning ahead and setting goals. Our 2023 digital teacher planners have pages designed to help you plan each quarter, as well as monthly calendars and weekly planning pages that will keep you on track all year long. Head over to teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store to grab your digital planner today so that you can join us in setting goals and getting things done this month because that is what January is all about. Plus, our planners will help you tackle any projects you have on the horizon, whether it's this month or later this year. And we both have realized how important project planning is for our overall productivity. A digital planner truly is a one-stop shop for all your organizational and productivity needs. So go grab one today at teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store, and let's get back to the episode. Okay, so we're back from the ad, and what I wanted to do first, and I know I'm going to throw Michelle off just a little bit here, but I really want to hear just Michelle's general thoughts thought on the book. Okay. Yes, I was not prepared for this. But I know. I'm really sorry, but I have been <laughs> waiting fine. for this moment. <laughs> okay. So let me just share that when Bridget and I first started developing Teaching on the Double together, mm-hmm. I remember she would share things and she's like, oh yeah, I learned that from David Allen, David Allen, David yeah, Allen. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, who is this? <laughs> I, had, I knew nothing about this book. So now that I have finally read it, I do think overall, like, the system that he provides is very good and it's great for people that struggle with productivity. I think I, as someone who has always been pretty good at being productive and getting things done, quote unquote, I didn't get a lot from it because I've already established systems that work for me. Yes. However, there were little things that he mentioned where I'm like, oh yeah, I need to do a better job of that. And here's how I can kind of adapt my system to work for it. But overall, I think it's a good book worth reading for anyone, but go into it expecting to get as much out of it uh, based on 
where you are on the level or like the, yes the realm you know if that makes yes. sense <laughs> no I definitely agree and because I read it you know 10 years ago and that was basically my basis for like okay how do I get myself organized and, and get all this working it's so interesting because I would read parts of the book and I'm like man yeah I'm still doing that or I'm doing that really mm-hmm. well but I do agree that it was lots of reminders it's things yeah. that I already knew about but I needed the reminder of I should be doing this and it's like okay yes I know it's like kind of listening to a family member and they're sitting there telling you that you need to be doing all of these different things and you're like fine I'm gonna do it I'm gonna start doing it it's a great reminder book and we all Um, need those from time to time like just the reminders and more than anything it's almost like confirmation that what you're doing is right yes I feel like we all struggle with that because we're constantly searching for well there has to be a better way and sometimes what you're doing is right and is the best way. You just yeah. have to remain consistent. And that's sometimes, the hard part. <laughs> yes, I was going to say it's that consistency and kind of having that confirmation of, okay, I'm doing the right thing. I can make these little adjustments, but I'm on the right track. I think that's very validating as you read it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the things that I really enjoyed, like at the very beginning of the book, where he starts to talk about like the pebble in the water. And I think this was this in the introduction or chapter one. I can't remember which one it was in. But he talks about throwing in a pebble like of into the water. And what? how does the water react to the pebble? It acts, it reacts exactly the way it should be, right? The bigger the pebble, the harder the throw, it's going to react based on how big mm. the pebble is or how hard the throw is going to be. Um, it doesn't, he like says in there, like it doesn't over or under react. It does it based on the momentum of that pebble. And he said, like a lot of what we do in life, we tend to overreact to some of the the problems that we have. Like, oh, you know, you're dealing with this big project that's happening and all of a sudden you get an email and that email then sends you <laughs> completely overboard. And yeah. I'm like, how does he know that I feel that way? <laughs> yeah. So... It's interesting because I have the tendency to react that way. And it's that reminder of we need to be able to get into this space where we are so in control of what it is that we're doing that we don't overreact, right? That when I get this email, it doesn't send me over the edge, you know, bawling and crying and that I have so much that I need to get done on my that's on my plate or whatever. Um, So I really like I loved that story component because I always find ways to make those connections. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So from there, um, I I like the five-stage workflow that he talks about, the capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage. And so as he kind of takes you through, and I'm going to talk about each of the little ones that I just was able to take away from it. Um, He basically says that the whole purpose of this is that it enables you to be able to feel like you have a better sense of control. Again, so you're not overreacting when something very small comes your way. Um, He then starts to talk a little bit about the creating a space, which reminded me of Atomic Habits in a way. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's, you know what I mean? Where you have to set up your space so that it feels 
so that you're able to be organized. You can jump into that habit so much easier. Yes. And so he talks about setting up a set a space. And then he also shares about creating spaces that are identical. So identical to the space that you have at school, to the one that you have at home, if you're going to do things at home, um, or if you work with somebody in one classroom, so there's two of you, making sure that you have two separate spaces or that you have a space that can move around from one place to another. So mm-hmm. that way you're not having to recreate. And we have shared so much about that, right? Remember, especially like during the COVID time, when teachers were moving from one classroom to another, we talked about having those carts. Yep. Yep. I agree that it definitely reminded me of Atomic Habits. And it's nice to see that overlap between books because we tend to think about all of these areas of our life as being separate. Like, okay, I have my habits and I have my systems and I have my organization, but in reality, they all work together and blend together. They really do. Um, And then I just had to laugh a little bit because he talked about his filing cabinet. (laughs) And her face, Don't even get me started. You should see her face right now. I just, and this is where I mentioned, I felt like technology was an afterthought because he just kind of threw in there like, yeah, and you can store things digitally. And it's like, hold on, dude, dude, dude. Instead of having 10 filing cabinets, how about you just get a Google Drive or, you know, an external hard drive, something? <sighs> it was so funny. I just I thought of Michelle as I was listening to that part of the book um, because he talks about how you have it to have a general reference filing system. And he talks about storing these like in an A through Z design, which made me think. Oh, dang it. I have mine a little bit unorganized because I have like activities, sorts and things like that, that I have like in a filing system because I have all that, like the filing space in that classroom. And it, um, it's not organized A through C at the moment. I should probably get on top of that. (laughs) But I'll be honest. I, I mean, I think A to Z is helpful for certain things. So for example, the DVDs that we still have, which now in hindsight, I'm thinking about when was the last time Billy and I actually got out a DVD? We just stream everything. But regardless, (laughs) I have my DVDs organized alphabetically so I can find them. But for a lot of like files and documents and things, I just feel like A to Z doesn't really make sense. I prefer to kind of have categories. And then I do things like by date, if it's like a a file that I'm holding on to as like a, a bill or something like that. Or by just like most recent, because those tend to be the things I use more often. I don't know. I just think, again, this is where you don't have to do something just because a book tells you to. If it doesn't make sense for you, you don't have to do it that way. Well, and I feel like it goes back to that whole idea of you just have to create a system that's going to work for you. And you just need to remember Mm -hmm. the system that you've created. So that way you maintain that system, right? Um, So the A to Z is definitely not a necessity. Like if you did it by units, I think that that would be fine. Or if you did it by the months of the year, I think that would be fine. Um, Just so long as you maintained that. Um, One other thing that he talked about, and and I kind of wrote this down as a quote, was that our attention is under attack and it's we're constantly feeling like we're being yanked around for this never ending stream of requests which is so true right like mm-hmm. our t- even our students attention is being yanked mm-hmm. around from one thing to another and he talked about having as few collection tools as possible um, to be able to jot things down so one of the key things that he talks about is being able to 
capture the things that are going on in your head. So if you're working, you're going to be like, oh, I need to like pay this bill or I need to do this. And so um, he talks about having as few collection tools as possible that you can jot things down. And I don't do this well enough. Do you know what I mean? Like I I will tell myself, oh, I need to do this. I don't ever write it down because I don't like adding it to my power list. Do you know what I mean? I I do. And I'll get into this a little bit when I share mine. But this was also an area where I was like, ooh, I need to improve in that. And I've made a few little adjustments that have definitely helped. Yeah, for sure. Um, So then he starts talking about uh, clarifying the tasks. So once you've kind of captured all of this stuff, you're going to then start to organize it and then clarify it um, or clarify it. He kind of talks about it as in a conjunction item. Um, But for the clarifying piece, some of the big things that I really took away from it is that you need to like periodically empty these or Mm -hmm. and he talks about if you don't, you're going to end up feeling like you're like you end up a bloated dump of unorganized items. I was like, wow, what a way to make a visual representation (laughs) of that. A bloated dump of unorganized items. Um, And that was really important. And he talked about organizing some of that and clarifying through some of the tasks that you have at least once a week. Um, Some of the other things, and these are things that I remembered back from you know, my first time reading this book is going through and looking at actionable items. So he says you have the do it, which is if it's two minutes or less, just do it, get it done, get it off of your list. If it's something that you can't do, you can delegate it to somebody else or you can defer it if it's more than two minutes and you need to kind of find space in your calendar to be able to put things done. That has just been something that has always really stuck with me. Um, I also really like that he talked about like the magic happens where with the organization stage um, and this is going to be where you start to take this like list of things that you've done and being able to start kind of categorizing. Um, So he talks about the calendar piece. Um, He talks about the net like next action. So placing all of your to do's on the next action item. This is the part that I don't love with him is that he then started saying you can break it down into multiple lists. So like you can have a computer list, a phone list. I felt very overwhelmed with the list. But I also feel overwhelmed with like a really long list. Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) This is where... As I was reading it, I understood where he was coming from, where there might be certain tasks that you can only do when you're in front of your computer. So it's helpful to have them all in one list. And I agree with you, Bridget, that having them all just together on one list is overwhelming. This is where I realized I like our system of having a power list, a things to do this week, and then a like future to do list. And then just kind of moving the items from one to the next for me that works and I'm going to continue that system. Yeah, same, same for sure. Um, But I wonder, and I think this is kind of where I have to just play with it. And as we're recording this, guys, I just want to be very open and transparent with all of you. I have not recorded my week in the life yet. Okay, so (laughs) I've listened to the book. I have not done my week in the life. And so I will be very interested to see how I go about and y'all will know this before I do it, obviously, uh, how I go about putting it into practice where it's like if I have a thing of, oh, I need to, you know, 
change out this, or I need to make this phone call, or I need to, you know, pay this one bill or do this. If I'm adding that to my list, when do I get that done? Where, where does all of that information end up going? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I do. Do I put it on the weekly list? Do I put it on the, the monthly or the, the power list? Like, so here, I'll just share my like initial thoughts as you're saying that, Bridget, because I know what you mean. For me personally, it really has been a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. If it is something small that let's say it's going to take more than two minutes, I'm not following the two minute rule, but I know with my schedule that day that I can get it done that day, I'll put it right. on my power list. If not, I tend to put it on my things to do this week list because it tends to be something that needs to get done sometime soon. I know if it goes on my future to-do list, it might not get done for another month. And for a lot of those things that I'm thinking of, it needs to get done soon, but maybe not that day. So I tend to put it either on my power list or my things to do this week list. I will say since reading this book, most days my power list has had more than three items on it, but it's been doable based on my schedule that day, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's another really important thing that you just mentioned. It's doable based on my schedule. And one of the things that really resonated with me is he said, and he does talk about like, instead of having a daily to-do list, like have a calendar in the next action lists, which Mm -hmm. I'm not in agreement with the next action list, like all of the different lists, I can't do that. But he yeah. said, to-do lists fail because you can't know what you are capable of doing in any given day. And I do, in some ways, agree with that, right? Like, I know that I have blocked off, like, certain things in certain times. But going back to that whole idea of if I'm writing down everything that comes to my brain in order to free that space so that I can focus on the work that needs to be done, how do I know that I'm going to get that done? (laughs) I'm not sure yet. I think that's going to be, you know, what I experiment a little bit more when it comes to the weekend life um, and see how that plays out. I, and as you're saying that, Bridget, it's funny because I mentioned I'm now having more items on my power list, but that's because I'm now putting more things on my just quote unquote to-do lists that I used to not put on there. And so because of that, I have more items, but what I have noticed is I'm breaking things down more. So rather than my power list being three kind of bigger tasks, it's maybe like six smaller tasks because I'm really focusing on, but what is the very next action that I need to do? And sometimes I won't add the second or third action until I do the first one. And once I do the first action, then I'm like, okay, now what is the next thing I need to do? And I know for me, that has always been a really big challenge is breaking the task down even smaller and smaller and smaller. Like I know that I have a habit of just being like, oh, I'm gonna take that project. I'm just gonna put it on my power list and I'm gonna get it done. But that, then that project ends up staying on my list mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. like three or four days. Guys, we are not perfect, okay? Do not shame me. Do not powerless shame me here. <laughs> powerless shame me. <laughs> Some powerless shame. Um, but I know I have that habit of just breaking that down so I can see how having that really like zoned in actionable item can really... Yeah be beneficial. Yeah. A couple more things that really just resonated for me is uh, (laughs) the tickler file. (laughs) I love that word, tickler file. (laughs) 
I I don't mind reading it. I don't like saying it out loud. <laughs> but I, I know that, that that's like, that is the 43 folder system, that right? Is. It is the okay. 43 folder system. And guys, I have to tell you, that is the thing that has stuck with me. I mean, for so many years, I still use it to today. I love the 43 folder system. Um, and so basically, if you are not really sure what that is, 43 folders, it's where you take 43 file folders, like hanging file folders. You have 31, so 31 folders labeled one all the way to the number 31. So that will represent up to the 31 days that you can possibly have in a month. And then you have 12 folders labeled for each month within a year. So January, February, March, April, May. And so what you do is you start the month, January at the front, you have all, what is it, is it 31 days in January? 31, mm -hmm. yeah? Yep. So you have to throw all 31. And then as you finish up each day, you can move like one, two, three, to February, behind February. This allows you to plan a month in advance. But what's even better is like, let's say I find something that I really wanna do in the month of May. I can cop, like print one piece, so I only have one page, and I can put it in for the month of May. So when the month comes up, I can then start to process that and say, ooh, I'm gonna do that on, you know, May 12th. And I'm gonna put that now in the May 12th folder when I have that available. It's such a great system. I absolutely love it. Um, I have done a video on it and I will link that down in the show notes so that you guys can go and check that out because it is by far my favorite. So really and truly, a lot of it was just things that I already knew about, but it's like I needed that little bit of a reminder and it's the things that really stuck with me again so that hopefully I can be able to put those into practice in the future. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So let me just say, you know, Bridget and I like put our notes here into the outline separately. I had not looked over hers. She had not looked over mine. So as I go through mine, I'm going to try to do it quickly, but there might be certain things that I kind of start to like go into and I'm like, oh wait, we yes. already chatted about that. So I think overall my biggest single takeaway from this book is that getting things done is really about being okay with what you're not doing. And that's something David mm. mentions at the beginning. And I was like, wait, I kind of don't get it. But as I read through the book, I was like, now I understand. It's that idea of you can never do everything. You can never do it all. And so when you have those periods of time where you're not working or you're choosing to spend time with your family or you're going on a vacation, you can trust that that's fine because you've worked ahead enough or you've allotted time to get the things done that need to get done and you're doing the right thing at that right time. So that was my biggest takeaway. But one thing that he kept mentioning and now in my head, I will literally tell myself this. He mentions how open loops, which open loops are like those things pulling at your attention. So that whole like, oh, I need to call and make an appointment. Oh, I need to check in on that. Those cause stress because they're constantly pulling at your attention. And so you need to just write them down either as a project or as the next physical action, because your brain is just like RAM on a computer and you are wasting mental energy thinking about those same things over and over and over again. Yeah. And when it drains your mental energy, that then like stifles your creativity and there's all these other negative effects. 
So a lot of your stress comes from feeling like you're missing something. And this is where I was like, yep, Mm -hmm. that is me all the time. And that feeling of missing something is because you have not captured everything. And so this capturing, this whole like writing down all the things, it really increases your trust and boosts your confidence because you know that you have written it down and it no longer has to live in your head. So he does mention having that collection tool and having it fit your lifestyle. He mentions an in-tray and he literally said, bless your heart, because as I was reading this, I was like, nope. (laughs) I was going to say the way he mentions it is you literally go around your house, your office, whatever, and you collect every little thing that has a to-do list item attached to it in some way. And then you're going to go through and process it. And I was like, no, no way, no how, not happening. Do you know who I think of for this? Go ahead. I think of Junior or Juan, sorry. Because he is a sticky note guy. Sticky note guy. And this is where I think he would benefit from an (laughs) in-tray. Yeah. So for me, my quote unquote in-tray is Google Tasks. That is where I write down all of the things. And he mentions that once you have captured everything to that collection tool, you have to empty it by ultimately making decisions, but that doesn't mean taking action in the moment. Like mm-hmm. you could put something on your list and say, I'm going to work on this next month. That is making a decision, but you're not actually getting the item done and that's okay. But you're at least like processing it. He did mention getting clarification and how basically we all need to spend more time planning more often. And when I read this, I was like, you know what? That is very accurate for me. Yeah. He said that most people don't look far enough ahead on their calendars. And I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I know that's something Bridget and I have mentioned all the time on the podcast. There was a quote, and I had to write this down because I legitimately bursted out laughing. He said, well, I I don't think this was a quote from him. I think in the sidebars, he has like different quotes from other people. But the quote said, I am rather like a mosquito in a nudist camp. I know what I want to do, but I don't know where to begin. And I was like, I freaking love that. So (laughs) obviously you might be thinking, yeah, you might be thinking, well, how much planning do I need to do? And he basically says, well, however much you need to get it off your mind. And that that's where it comes down to like, Billy, he's not detail oriented. He wouldn't have to do as much planning as I would because I am, I need all of the details, Mm -hmm. but ultimately you have to define like, what does done mean? So like, how do you know when that task or that project is done? And then what does doing look like? And it's kind of going to vary for each task. He mentions reviewing your calendar and then having like the action lists. And this was kind of like your, your, whether you're doing it weekly, daily, monthly, whatever, like you always start with your calendar and then you're going to do your action list. Personally, I add my calendar items to my like things Mm -hmm. to do this week or things to do this month lists. And he kind of has them as like separate entities. So again, that's that whole like whatever works for you. But he mentions having a weekly review and how that is like one of the most powerful Mm -hmm. things you can do. It's that time to like gather all of those tasks and process them and update your lists. And he even mentions reviewing previous calendar data to see if you're missing any actions. So if you look at, oh, last Tuesday I had that meeting. Oh crap, I need to email so-and-so about that. That was one thing where I was like, ooh, I should start doing that because I think that that would be helpful. Yes. 
And then this is where he mentions like deciding on that next action and like, how do I know what's most important for me to work on? And ultimately procrastination happens when there is not a clear next action. And so that's kind of a good reminder to me of if I'm procrastinating on something, it's probably because I don't know what that next action is. And he had this quote, you can do it when it shows up or when it blows up. And I was like, I love that because there are a lot of things that I put off. And so reminding myself, okay, I can do it now or I can do it later when it's a much bigger problem helps motivate me to get it done. I have to read this quote. This was in chapter 12, which was titled The Power of the Next Action Decision. As I read this, I felt very personally attacked because I was like, this is literally me, okay? It says, do my taxes? Oh no, it's not going to be that easy. It's going to be different this year, I'm sure. I saw the forms, they look different. There are probably new rules I'm gonna have to figure out. I might have to read all that damn material. (laughs) I should have put a disclaimer before reading it, but whatever. Long form, short form, medium form, file together with my partner, file separate. We'll probably want to claim some new deductions, but if we do, we'll have to back them up. And that means we'll need all the receipts. Oh my God, I don't know if we really have all the receipts we'll need. (laughs) And what if we really didn't have all the receipts, but we claim the deductions anyway and we get audited? Audited? Oh no, tax fraud, jail. Literally, that is me every tax season. That is my exact mental process. Oh my gosh. Okay. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. I know. I know. But it was, it was validating. Like how I mentioned at the beginning, it's that whole, like, I'm not the only person that feels this way. So then moving on, he talks about how there are no real interruptions, but just mismanaged occurrences. And this is where all the time we have people write in Mm -hmm. for TSHs saying, well, I have all these things come up and Bridget and I always respond with, okay, but are they actually just popping up or did you know about them and kind of put them off? And in reality, if you have a lot of those spontaneous things, you probably aren't planned enough. But this is where Bridget and I have suggested if you leave a powerless item open, you can then fill that space with those items that are popping up, which might be helpful. Um, and then he talks about that whole, like, you're really stressed and you don't know like what to do next. And the quote was, if your boat is sinking, you really don't care in which direction it's pointed. And so for me, the takeaway is that so many teachers feel stressed and overwhelmed by the day to day. They can't plan far enough ahead because they don't have Mm -hmm. the time or the energy to look further ahead. And so if you start implementing some of the practices from this book, you can get to the point where you can plan ahead and that then reduces your stress and it kind of all works together. But I will say one of my biggest gripes with this book, I felt like he never really tackled the idea of motivation for those tasks you just don't want to do. It was all about like capturing the tasks and organizing them and planning for them. But what do you do when it comes down to a task that you simply don't want to do? And he never addressed that. But I recently saw an Instagram post about how a lot of people think you start with motivation and that leads you to take action, Mm -hmm. which leads to results. And that then increases your motivation to continue. But in reality, you have to start by taking action that gets you results. And that then leads to your motivation 
and then you take future action. So really instead of waiting around for the motivation, you have to just take action and that power lies in you. And I think if anything, that's kind of a good feeling because you don't have to wait around for motivation. Like it's in your power to take action. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that was a lot. Man, girl, <laughs> you nailed it. I love I love hearing different perspectives because we read the book and yet we take it in very differently. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So yes. it's very interesting to kind of hear both perspectives. So now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about moving forward. And some of the things that we're going to start implementing after reading this book, again, like there were things that we wanted to take away, but then there are also things that we were like, mm, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing because we feel like what we're doing is working, right? Um, so in thinking about everything that was kind of happening through this book, one of the things that I really wanted to do is go back to that capturing piece. And it's about creating a system that's going to work both digitally and physically, but that also kind of aligned together. I think there is something to be said about there's moments when I can't get away from my, I don't have, I can't get away from what I'm doing either on the computer or in the classroom. And so having that ability to write things down physically, I think is might be something that would be good for me. Mm-hmm. Now I know Michelle talks about how like she adds all her things to her Google task list. I'm not sure I can do that yet, yet. I'm going to put in a a growth mindset term over here. Um, So I want to look at possibly incorporating both of them and having just one small notebook that maybe I can write things down that if I'm focused and I'm in the zone and I'm writing something, I don't get away from that by opening up a new tab because I feel like if I did that, I may lose my ability to focus. Or if I hold my phone, I may end up going onto Instagram, which would then kind of derail me from the work that I'm doing. That's kind of my thoughts behind the physical component. So having that piece would be really important. Also having um, a place to be able to add or adding more items onto my calendar, which is something that I don't do enough of. So he kind of gave the the example of like, oh, Belinda's going on vacation and I need to ask her if everything is ready for her to go on vacation, right? It's not necessarily an appointment that is getting placed on the calendar, but it's something that you have to do that specific day. And I know that Mm -hmm. we have like the Google task piece there, but I think having it and just being better for myself of adding it to my Google calendar would be a huge benefit to me because there are things that it's like, oh, I need to make sure I do that today. And just by adding it on a power list sometimes is not quite enough for me, but adding it to my calendar might be really helpful, especially if you know in advance, because I can see myself adding it to my weekly and saying, oh, I need to double check, but then never moving it to my power list. I can see myself doing that. So that might be beneficial. Also taking projects and being able to break those down into more um, actionable items, which is something that I know that I've constantly struggled with, and just breaking those down further to where I can just get it done in one sitting. So I'll be interested to see how that works. I want to be more consistent with updating my tickler file. Oh, I love that word, tickler file. (laughs) Um, So I 
going to update that more often. I use it in the classroom, but I'm not consistent enough to say like, oh, I'm moving the numbers every single day. Like I will skip like one or two days and then it's like, oh, now I got to move all of these. And so becoming more consistent and putting that maybe into my morning routine and also my afternoon routine will be really helpful. Um, and then looking at reviewing the work for the next week, which is something that I don't do enough. And he talks a lot about reviewing that work and going back and saying, okay, well, what are the loose ends that I need to tie up for the end of the week? And then, you know, where am I going to be going? Like, let me make sure that I'm processing everything that I need to process so that I can have that free from myself. And so I'd like to try to be able to do that on like a Friday or should I do that on a Sunday? I haven't quite decided yet. Um, but having that broken down and, and incorporating more of that review time is going to be something I'll try to work on a little bit more. What about you, girl? Yeah. So I will say some of mine are the same. I finished reading this about a month ago. So I'm going to go over some things I've been doing since then Ooh. that have worked well, okay. as well as the things I'm like still kind of working on. First of all, just mm -hmm. a side note in the book, on one of the footnotes, he mentions the book, The Power of Habit. Yes. Have you read that? I tried to listen to it and it was so hard to listen to. It's okay. so hard to listen to it. Okay. I was going to suggest like maybe we do that for a I future know. book review. I will try my best. <laughs> okay. Well, it doesn't need to be anytime soon. Maybe that can be like a summer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, one thing I started doing is just using that two minute rule more often. This is one of those yes. things I knew of, but it was a good reminder. And I did like that he said you could extend or shorten the time depending on what you have going on. So maybe yes. instead of the two minute rule, it could be like the one minute rule if you don't have a lot of time or you could extend it to five or 10 minutes. Here was actually the first instance of me using it while I was reading the book at one point. I went into the bathroom and I ran out of toilet paper. And as I was finishing up, I was like, oh, I need to get more toilet paper. And as I started to leave the bathroom, I was like, Michelle, you're not going to write it on your list and you're going to forget and you're going to end up back in the bathroom without toilet paper. Go get it now. And so in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to get toilet paper. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. I also created some new lists. Now I still have my future to-dos, which are kind of like my to-dos in the next like two to four weeks-ish. Yes. I have my things to do this week list and I have my power list, but I also created a projects list. This is something he mentioned, like not necessarily breaking down the projects on that list, just having a list of like ongoing projects. And I have been using that. I will say I'm kind of struggling to keep it updated because I don't have the habit of like going back and revisiting the list, but I'm working on it. I also created a someday list, and this is something he suggested as like, almost like a bucket list, but it's just that like, if I ever have time, these are things I'd love to do. Currently on my list is learn ASL and learn how to solve a Rubik's cube. Nice. <laughs> and it's funny because at Christmas, I was at my parents and my dad mentioned that he kind of had a someday list. And one of his items was to start a YouTube channel, which he has now done, like since being retired, he has his cooking channel. And then one of his Christmas gifts for my mom was a set of of juggling balls. And I was like, what? And he said, what? yeah, that's also on my list. I wanted to learn how to juggle. I love your parents <laughs> so much. <laughs> so that was definitely, that's been nice. Just like random things that come to mind. I add it to that list. 
I also created a waiting for list. So let me kind of share how I've been using this. When I did my week in the life episode, I finished recording it and typically I would, you know, drop like export it as the audio file and drop it into Google Drive for Bridget to upload yes. to our podcast platform. But I realized, ooh, I can't do that yet because Bridget and I still have to record the ad that's going to go in it, which we're doing like right now mm -hmm. as we're doing the podcast recording. So I, on my waiting for list, I put like January ad. And that way, once I have that ad, right. then I know I can go in and, and add it in and get that done. So that has been working out really well for me. Um, I mentioned that whole like when it shows up or when it blows up philosophy yeah. to kind of pre prevent procrastinating. So that's just been a reminder that I've given myself, which has been helpful. I have started focusing more on making sure that my to-do list items are actual actions, like things that I can take yes. action on and really breaking it down to what is the next thing that I need to do. And that has been working well. Um, I went through the whole like quote unquote capture process that he describes in the book. And I talked about this a little bit in my week in the life. I did not do the physical capture with the in-tray the way that he describes it. Okay, Bridget, I have to share this because you might, I don't know, have similar feelings to me or maybe not. But at one point he mentions, I usually recommend that people transfer their voicemails onto paper notes and put those into their entries. I'm sorry, but what? Like who in their right mind would actually do that? Who would take their voicemails and like transcribe it into a paper note and then put that into their entry? That just sounded ridiculous to me. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that that was a little bit much. And I think this is where David Allen almost dates himself a little bit where it's like, okay, guy, <laughs> like this is a little bit too old school. Like, I feel like putting it on paper is just something where he had the opportunity to be able to add more technology into it. And he just kind of didn't do that. And I think that's going to be really evident to a lot of people when they are reading the book. You know what I mean? I agree. Plus, anymore, people don't even really leave voicemails. They just send no, a text. They send a text. Right. And, yeah. But I can see like people saying, or, or like if I got a, a call about the vanity and was like, hey, I, we need to schedule something for you to go out. Like that's a voicemail. I need to call them back. And maybe I don't have that chance to call them back. I would put them just like on my power list of, boom, I need to call this person back or put it in my calendar. I don't see myself actually writing a note <laughs> to myself. Yeah. That's just a little weird. So basically what I did is instead I walked around my house with my phone and I had Google tasks opened up and I just added to my, you know, to-do list, wherever that item would fall, whether it was power list, things to do this mm -hmm. week or future to-dos, or I put it on my project list. And as I walked around, I would just see things and I added it rather than like collecting the items and then processing. That just seemed kind of... Uh, weird, but ongoing, like now a few weeks later, I'm trying to just make sure I capture those ideas and to do's as I think of them so that I can quote unquote, close the loop. Yeah. And, you know, earlier, Bridget, you mentioned like the whole not in the moment thinking to actually add it to your list or like being busy and not adding it. Personally, when I'm driving, that's when I always think about things. Oh. And so I've try to create this new habit of as soon as I get to wherever it is that I'm going, whether that's home or the grocery store, the gym, 
I then pick up my phone, which I have it plugged into my car. So when I unplug it, I open up Google tasks and I sit there for like 10 to 15 seconds and just go, was there anything I needed to add? And like, that's been working out really well for me. Um, so that's definitely something I want to keep doing here. are The things I need to do better. (laughs) I need to stop procrastinating, getting clarification. I am so afraid of looking dumb and I won't ask questions, but then I can't move forward on the project or the task because of that. So I'm trying to get better at that. I need to spend more time project planning. I know you hit on that as well. I definitely need to just get better at planning things out in more detail. And you also mentioned that kind of like weekly review. Mm -hmm. I have started doing that. I just need to better stick to it. I did add it as a recurring task on my calendar. So every Sunday I have a task that populates on my power list that says weekly review. And that way it kind of triggers me to make sure that I do that process. I found for me, Sundays tend to work best. That's my like get my SHIT together day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But he did mention how you could use checklists if you're kind of unfamiliar with an area of responsibility. So I need to create a weekly review checklist. So when I sit down, I go, all right, I need to review my calendar. I need to review my, you know, emails and all of the things so that I can kind of get used to that habit. Yeah, for sure. So I think one of the biggest things that you can take away just from listening to our thoughts on this book is that one, you don't have to do exactly how David Allen tells you to do it. I think there there is definitely a consensus (laughs) that there are some really good nuggets of information that you can get from it, right? I still hold a lot of the things that he's talked about are things that I'm still implementing today inside of my own classroom and in my personal life, right? There are things that I can get better at. And so having the book, listening to it, you know, reading it, whatever you want to vibe with, um, it's definitely worth the time to go through it. But just keep in mind that you need to take the things that he's talking about and really look at how you can implement it in maybe a more effective way. (laughs) Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. But overall, I mean, I really enjoyed listening to the book all over again, and I'm so excited that you finally listened to it. So now that when I talk about David Allen, (laughs) I can be like, hey, remember David, our friend? Um, I'm no longer out of the loop. I am now in the loop. Oh, she closed (laughs) the loop. (laughs) I closed the loop. Open loops, closed loop, in the loop, out of the loop. It all makes sense now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So thank you guys so much for listening to this little bit of a long episode, but we all know that our book reviews tend to be a little bit more long. Um, Definitely head over to our website, teachingonthedouble.com and check out uh, our website. See what new, what's new happening there. Head to the store and look to see what sort of items that you can get to help boost that productivity. And we would also love it for you if you would submit your TSH. What is your time-sucking hurdle that you have right now? If you are somebody new listening to the podcast and you enjoyed it, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and get notified when we up or download a new episode, upload a new episode. Words are really challenging at the moment, guys. I'm struggling here, but we would love for you to subscribe. Please make sure to leave us a review over on iTunes. And until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.